Well, good morning, church. It's great that you're joining with us uh, this morning, and uh, for most of you, you will know we are journeying through John 15, where Jesus makes this great statement, I am the true vine. Um, and we're going to look at a couple of verses this morning in that statement from Jesus that are pretty much so straightforward that there is pretty much no excuse for us to ignore them or to push them aside. Um, I don't know about you, but I've personally been challenged as we've gone through John 15 uh, when this great statement of Jesus, I am the true vine, and what it means to stay connected to him, what it means to, for, to, to abide in him and also him in us. Uh, and as followers of Jesus, when we read this, when we, when we come upon anything that Jesus says, uh, the declarations that he has, the things that he wants us to know and to, to pursue, there can be no wiggle room for us to try and not take what he says seriously. We, we can't. Uh, theologians and, and people of faith have this, this great and, and wonderful thing where they look at a piece of scripture and they try and interpret it in ways that maybe suits them. But sometimes it's just so straightforward and so straight to the point that there is no way we can interpret it any other way. And everything that Jesus said, everything that he did, uh, has ramifications for us on, on how we react, how we act, and how we live our lives as followers of him. Um, but as I was preparing for this sermon this morning, I really felt Holy Spirit speak to me and give me some scriptures uh, of just what to share with you this morning, something that's really just been on my heart and what he's highlighted. And I pray that this morning that he would do that to you too. The video we watched uh, just talked about uh, joy and happiness. And those things can only come from God when, whenever we face things, whenever we go through things in our life. We know that uh, the, the, the true joy and happiness only God can bring. But we know when it comes to God, when we're fully invested in, in him, there can be no other substitute for him. Nothing comes close to God. Yet for many of us, because we're human, that's where we come unstuck, because we're not fully invested in him. But that's because we fall short of the glory of God. But isn't it great, church, that God is fully invested in us, that he wants to give us everything? Well, if you've got your Bible in front of you, I'm guessing most of you already turned to John 15, and we'll be honing in, specifically looking at verses 4 and 5 this morning. Uh, and this is, this is a, a, what Jesus asserts and says to his disciples at this point. And just before we get to it, you, you see that Jesus has spent a good amount of time sat with his disciples. He's got them captivated with what he's done, what he's saying, all the things that are going on. You, you read that he's washed their feet. Imagine Jesus washing your feet. He's comforted them. He's talked about and predicted his betrayal. And he's promised the coming Holy Spirit for them. And then he launches into his final I am statement. And he wants the disciples listening to grasp this huge statement. And verse 4 says, remain in me as I also remain in you. You see where Jesus is saying, as I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. And Jesus doesn't stop there. Verse 5 goes on to say exactly the same thing, but in a different way. Such was um, how Jesus wanted to get it across. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Then Jesus says this, apart from me, you can do nothing. And that's what we're looking at this morning. Apart from me, you can do nothing. What does that mean to us as followers of Jesus, as people of, of God's kingdom? 
like I said earlier, there's no really other way to interpret this of what Jesus has just said. We can't look at it and say, well, what does it mean? It literally means stick close to Jesus and we will see great things happen. We will see fruit being, uh, just being shown whatever we do. And it's a double whammy. It's not a passing statement. It's not a throwaway statement. It's not just something Jesus just said off the cuff. Jesus wanted his, 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 his listeners, us, the disciples, to understand what it meant by what he said. The very fact that you and I are a continuation of God's story, um, it helps us when we read those verses, uh, the significance of what it means to us. If you or I are to make any impact, any impression or any influence for the kingdom of God that is pleasing to him, not pleasing to me, not pleasing to Pastor Steve, not pleasing to your, anyone else out there, but is pleasing to him, then you have to be in no doubt that those words that Jesus spoke, abide in me as I abide in you, that's where our power comes from. That is what truly matters for us. You know, living in a world that vies for our attention from the moment you get up to the moment you go to sleep um, is, is just incredible. The, the world is chock full of idols. Anything that we put above Jesus that we pursue can become an idol. People, things, careers, and anything else can become an idol. And to do the, the things that Jesus asks us to do can soon be crowded out by all those things from what Jesus wants us to do. And he says, if you're apart from me, if you are apart from me, if you're not connected to me, then anything that you do, anything that we do for the kingdom will have no significance. It won't matter. If we do not remain in Jesus, every effort is simply our own. We're doing it under our own strength, our own steam, and it will have no lasting effect. And while preparing this, I was drawn to a couple of scriptures. Um, the Holy Spirit highlighted them to me, and I, I really hope and pray that through these scriptures that the, the Holy Spirit will talk to you this morning. Like I said, I, I've been really encouraged by these, really challenged by um, these, the, these scriptures we've been going through. And I want to share them with you this morning. They're sobering scriptures, scriptures that help us to really understand and sit up and take notice. Well, I hope they do. I hope they, they, they make you sit up and take notice of, of um, what's going on. They make me think about what I'm, what I'm really about and what I'm doing and what I continue to do. And how, like Steve said last week, time is short. What are your priorities? If you think about it, in the grand scheme of things, there's not much time left. The first piece of scripture is from Luke 3, 16 to 18. And we, we, we have this picture of John the Baptist giving this, this great um, announcing of Jesus coming. They've, the people have asked John, oh, you're the Messiah. And John simply replies this, listen, I baptize you in water. But there is someone coming later who is able to do more than I can. I am not good enough to be the slave who unties his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And this is the part I want you to get. This is the part I really just pray Holy Spirit will highlight for you. He will come ready to clean the grain. He will separate the good grain from the straw and he will put the good part into his barn. Then he will burn the useless part with a fire that cannot be stopped. John said many other things like this to encourage the people to change, and he told them the good news. Jesus is coming to separate the good from the bad, the useful from the useless. And John wants to just reiterate to those listening that this is good news and that you can be changed in and through it. 
That saying, separating the wheat from the chaff, is that imagery of distinguishing the valuable from the worthless. And that description of fire is that understanding that when we come before the throne of God, when we come to judgment, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you, if you declare him as your Lord and Savior, it's not about our salvation. It really isn't. But it's for the things that were done while in our body, while here on earth, whether good or bad. We will stand there, and those things that are good or bad will be burnt up in the fire. The good things. When, when you have that picture of the, the, the winnowing fork throwing it up in the air, the chafe, the rubbish will just blow off in the winds. The good stuff will fall down to the ground. You see, we are accountable to God for the way we live as followers of Jesus. We know that. But are we doing everything we can in our pursuit of getting his kingdom out there to glorifying him? If you've ever seen the film Gladiator, Maximus, the main character, says this, what we do in life echoes in eternity. What we do in life echoes in eternity. What you do in your life will have ramifications for what's to come. For me to become a branch, a healthy, strong branch that bears much fruit, the only way to achieve this is to remain or abide in Jesus. That's what Jesus says. There's no other way to interpret that. Jesus even says it's a two-way relationship. Verse 4, remain in me as I also remain in you. Verse 5, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Now to me, there's, it's not a warning, but there's a thing that if I don't remain in Jesus then he's not going to remain in me. He wants to invest in people that are just all out for him. Because he says at the very end, apart from me, you can do nothing. Zilch, nada, nout. You cannot do a single thing that of, of any value for the kingdom. If we fail to remain in Jesus, if we neglect the quite simple directive that he's given us to stay attached to that true life-giving vine, there will be nothing of eternal value. We will have that inability to produce any spiritual fruit whatsoever. Yes, we can strive on our own strength. Yes, we can do things. But it won't have value. When you read through Scripture, you look at the disciples or anyone else in the Bible that accomplished anything, anything of value, of significance. They relied on and stayed close to the power and potency of God. And great things happened. It's as simple as that. Their legacy lives on. Also, you will know people that have gone before you. Their legacy lives on because they stuck close to Jesus. They did what he asked them. I want to bring another piece of scripture to you this morning. It's a lovely piece of scripture. It's encouraging, kind of. And it's from Matthew 7. This is what the, the Holy Spirit highlighted for me because it makes you think, sit up and take notice of what he's saying. It says this in verse 21. Not everyone who calls me Lord will enter God's kingdom. Isn't that one of the scariest pieces of Scripture you could ever read? Jesus goes on to say, The only people who will enter are those who do what my Father in heaven wants, what's pleasing to him, what is of value to him. Verse 22, On that last day, many will call me Lord. They will say, Lord, Lord, by the power of your name, we spoke for God. And by your name, we forced out demons, and we did many miracles. Jesus says, then I will tell these people clearly, get away from me, you people who do wrong. I never knew you. Now, we could spend a long time going into depth of what that means and all the theological and exposition, all those different things that, that clever people do. But I want you to take notice that what is it that we're doing? 
signs and wonders, uh, prophecy and such things, they're all well and good. But we must know that evidence of a true follower of Jesus isn't prophesying or speaking in tongues or being able to pray. It's whether we act upon the words of Jesus, what he's commanded of us, what, what he's asked us to do in this life. What is the priority, this short amount of time? And that is such a truly sobering thought for me, to see, am I doing what Jesus has asked? And you see how all the scriptures relate to each other, just have this one theme. When I journey with people, when I uh, meet up for a coffee or social distancing at this moment or via Zoom, I've asked many people, how do you know that I'm a true Christian? How do you know that Pastor Neil is a true Christian? I could be fake. I could be making it up. I could be just saying things that you just want to hear. But as the saying goes, the proof is in the pudding. The only way I can make disciples, the only way to grow in my faith, to read, hear, and live out the commands of Jesus is down to one thing, and that's staying attached to him. Staying attached to that source of power is the only way. Without that, I am simply a fraud in the kingdom of God. Because, as Jesus says, if you remain in me, I will remain in you. The power of God will soon run out if I'm not doing that. If your phone runs out of power and you haven't got a charger, that very thing your phone was intended to do can no longer do it. Like your car running out of fuel and there's no petrol station around. The very thing it was designed to do, it doesn't do. And in the same way, if you are disconnected from the true vine that is Jesus, then you will not do what you were created to do do in this short amount of time that you're on earth. Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. But you know what? Connected to me, we can do all things. I think as Christians, uh, we have kidded ourselves for too long. We think we can just get by by doing the bare minimum or just saying that Jesus, you're my Lord and Savior. But we can't kid ourselves any longer, church. We cannot pick and choose what we want and what we don't want when it comes to the kingdom of God or what Jesus says. We cannot do that. It is not open, up for, dis open for discussion. If he is Lord over your life, then he is Lord over your life. And it's the same with me. If we do not agree with Jesus or we don't do what he has asked us, are we even followers? In 2 Timothy 4, verses uh, 1 to 8, we find the Apostle Paul, at the end of his ministry. We find that he's writing a letter to Timothy to encourage and edify him and, and just, you know, say to him all these things that he's learned and that he's done. And Paul is in chains awaiting execution, but he's still living all out for Jesus. All he ever wanted to know when he met Jesus after that meeting on the Damascus Road was Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And he's inspiring and encouraging Timothy. He says this, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing in his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season, out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Now, verse 3 says this, and I really think this is, this is very apt for our times that we live in. When you read things um, in the news, when you watch things on the internet, be very careful because this really is true to our times. Paul says this, For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. 
Not what God's saying to them. Not what the Holy Spirit is pushing them to do, but what they want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, Timothy, keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. And then Paul says this. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. And this great, great piece of scripture, we all know and love what Paul says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And Paul knows what's in store for him because he remained, he abided in Jesus, and Jesus did the same with him. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but to all who have longed for his appearing. I would imagine that not a lot of stuff was burnt up when Paul stood in front of Jesus. I would imagine there wasn't a lot of chaff that blew off in the wind, but a lot of stuff that was good. He knew what he was going to receive as his reward. But I ask you, what is your reward? Are we faithful like Paul? Am I faithful like Paul? Are we leaving a legacy that Jesus requires from us as we abide in him? Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. But to abide, to remain in Jesus is a wonderful thing, a brilliant thing. Like that video said at the start, joy and happiness comes from abiding in him. Everything that is good comes from God when we abide in him. We can only tap into it. To abide is to accept or act in accordance with what Jesus wants us to do. That's what it means. And to remain is to continue to live out through Jesus, especially after other, other people or things have ceased to do so. When you continue reading in 2 Timothy, you find that Paul is all alone. Only Luke is left. Everyone else is cleared off because the world has got them. The world has taken hold of them and their itching ears have pulled them away. Paul says, well, only Luke is left. I suppose my prayer this morning, church, would be that we are not like people who get blown away by the wind, that our itching ears be pulled away. Let us not be people of, of, of God who kid ourselves that we're followers of Jesus. Let us be a church that longs, longs to, to remain and abide in him. And you will bear much fruit. It's a given. It's not a carrot dangling out in front of you that you keep chasing. It's a given. Know for a while that apart from Jesus, there is nothing of significant value for God that we could ever do and have any impact. But being, being staying attached to the vine, it's a whole different story altogether. You see, we have this strength to overcome, to outdo and achieve all that God has for us as we fully understand what it means, as Jesus promised, that he will abide in us if we abide in him. And I love the take heart from Paul as he wrote to the church in Philippi, where he knows that what it is to have much, to have little, to be content, to whatever he faces, whatever's coming in his way, he understood. And he said, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Because he stayed attached to Jesus, because he understood the power and what he was about, he left a legacy and he did great things. When we abide in Jesus, the quite simple fact is that he promises to abide in us means that there's nothing he can't give to us and no work that he cannot enable us to do. What a promise from God this morning. What a promise from Jesus as he says, you will bear much fruit. As you invite the worship 
team back up just to lead us in one final song. I just want to pray for you at home, church, that this Holy Spirit has just lit those scriptures up for me. I pray that they would light up for you and that Holy Spirit through this week would really speak to you. Who are we as people of the kingdom? What are we supposed to do? What is your priority, as Steve said last week, in this small amount of time we have? Apart from him, we can do nothing. But in and through him, possibilities are endless, church. So let's just pray as we go into our final song. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for who you are, what you represent. We thank you for sending your son, Jesus. You invested in us everything. And Lord, we now have the chance not only just to live as children of the kingdom, but to do great things. You trust us, Lord, with kingdom stuff. You trust us with things that you want to happen. And I pray that as a people who follow you, Lord Jesus, we would abide in you and take full advantage of that promise that you will abide in us and you will remain in us and we will do great things. In times of darkness, Lord, your light overcomes. And I pray that everyone listening, everyone watching will understand what it is to know you as their Lord and Savior. Not just be a follower in writing, but through heart, actions, deeds, and words. In your name we pray. Amen.